This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two of the comics I picked up on free comic book day this past Saturday, Kate Lamphere. Hello. And Paul Chasley. Hello, humanoids. Thank you both for joining me for this episode of It's Live. We're live on Twitch, episode 372 of I Read Comic Books. Kate, you got to put up your arms too so that we're all like, ah! Gotta talk with your hands. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm super sunburned. I've been up since seven in the morning. Guys, it's the craziest day of my life. And we're here live on Twitch. I was thinking, you know, like I've got all this stuff I wanted to do. I was going to run a, I ran a 5k this morning. Um, I, then there, my town had this street fair. So I was outside in the sun. And then a buddy of mine brought over some mead, drank a bunch of mead. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have dinner. And I ate like the biggest piece of pizza that I've ever had in my life. And then I thought, let's record an entire hour and some change podcast. Um, so today I'm running on fumes. So let's just get Great. into things. Cause I have two legally mandated questions that I have to ask. And that is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I've been really good. The weather, um, it, the West Michigan Weather Watch is it's perfect. Um, and I was outside mm-hmm. all day. I meant to read more comic books, um, but instead I gardened. Like my plants are like in the ground now, and like I've I've got my 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 hose situation planned out. Like I don't have I don't really have a spigot outside, so this is complicated. Um, okay. But like I, I spent all day outside. At one point, I realized that I was just sitting in this chair and I hadn't been thinking about anything for like 20 minutes. Like it was just Wonderful. perfect. Like Man. I don't really Amazing. meditate, but that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That, you know, it sounds like a great Sunday overall. Yeah. That's amazing. It was Fantastic. very nice. And my cat loved being out on the porch with me. Um, we just stared at each other for a while. It's a great time. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite book that I have read recently is A Ballad for Sophie. This is by Felipe Mello and art by Juan Cavia. Um, this was Aaron's pick for the Goodreads Reading Challenge. And there's also a translation credit. I kind of had to go digging for this because I was like, I don't think this is an American story. I've read enough like European comics <laughs> that I can just kind of sure. tell at this point. And yeah. there is a translation credit from Gabriela Sores. Um, and mm-hmm. there's also a credit on the copyright page for an institute in Portugal. And then I think that the writer is Portuguese, which makes me think that it was originally published in Portugal. Um, and I don't know if that makes it a Bond SNA, like are all Bond SNAs French, but in any case, this is European. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, oh, is so. it, is it have to be published in like France or Belgium to be, I don't know. Right. Some, yeah. Someone call us, someone call yeah. us, ircbpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Give me a call. Yeah, that's a phone number. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the story, we see this reporter who is trying to speak with this famous musician who doesn't want any guests, kind of like gruff old man type character. She sticks to her guns and she's eventually granted an interview with him. And then after that, the book bounces between like the present day of the story where they're talking to one another and then like the history of this man's life. And I feel like this story ends in this bittersweet way, but I felt like really fulfilled by it. Like it was a really good story <laughs> like there everything comes okay. together ends really nice um and, and i thought that there was like this queer love story kind of buried in between the lines of this book but i would really like to talk to somebody who has read this to see if they also picked up on that or if this is just me wanting everything to be gay um, i don't know <laughs> 
Um, but as I said, this reads like a Bond SNA, um, as in like there's this subtle etherealness to this story. Um, and and I, I don't know how else to describe this. Like I feel like in Western mm. comics, we're more heavy handed with our genre distinctions. Like this is sci-fi, this is this is fantasy. Maybe those two things are together in a book, but you know you have a better idea of what it is. Um, whereas this mm-hmm. book, um, the Ballad of Sophie was like nostalgic and it had some magical realism points in it, but it was like, otherwise it was a memoir style slice of life story. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about the way that this magical realism is in this book, because like, like you, you start with the musician's life as a child. And so there's like this certain amount of whimsy in the way that he views the world. Like he describes his agent as a goat man, um and like that just sticks around like you see this man mm. who looks like a goat that is is his agent and that just stays like that it's like not remarked on or anything like yeah, that yeah he's like this guy looked like a goat and then like you see like the story <laughs> continues and it's like 15 20 years in the future this musician is a, is an adult and his agent is still a goat man like <laughs> i love it <laughs> okay, okay okay um and the art like the art style in this book it really worked for me there's like a texture in in the panels if you look like like kind of close up in the panels do your little zoom on your tablet or my tablet in this case um and it makes me think that the art was done like like traditionally on paper and then scanned in for like the digital cleanup and lettering and everything and i just i thought that it worked really well like there was these nice gradients and the art the color was really um vivid like I really liked it. Okay. Something that I didn't understand was why it was called the Ballad of Sophie, because you don't know who Sophie is until the last couple of pages of the book. Okay. Um, Okay. But then it becomes clear and kind of brings the whole story together. So, um, okay. The Ballad of Sophie, Aaron, great pick um, for Goodreads. Like, I absolutely recommend this story. Yeah, I, I saw Aaron posted on our Discord about how she was like, this is the best book I read last year. And it's had to go on the list, which I think this that's kind of how we pick books for the Goodreads yeah. reading <laughs> challenge, right? Like, usually, like, this is the best book that I read in the previous year or something like that. Or if yeah. it's not that, like, it's a close contender, right? Right, yeah. I agree. That's how so, I pick. Nice. I try to pick things that, like, I... I like I felt fulfilled by the story. Like I try to, to recommend things that I felt fulfilled by for other people to read um, or like something that's really unique, um, but it's still like a nice story. Like I think this year mm-hmm. I picked um, the arrival by S- Scott Tan, Sean Tan, something like that. Anyway, I also, gotcha. I also really like that book, but I won't talk about yeah. that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. I, this is right. just a reminder that I need to get back to the reading challenge, yeah. right, Paul? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm always way behind. So I know yeah. that one year we're gonna get like a majority of the the IRCB folks caught up, which is maybe weird it. to say. Like, but unfortunately, I feel like we're always reading a bunch of other stuff, and it's just like the reading challenge is always like in the back of our minds. But exactly. anyways, we we don't have to talk about that. But Paul, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? I, I'm doing all right, Mike. Uh, as Kate said, uh, the weather here in West Michigan was gorgeous today. Um, I was nursing a bit of a hangover for most of the day. Uh, <laughs> one of my best friends turned 40 this weekend, so we went out uh, Saturday night, uh, had fun. Uh, I did able was able to go for a nice walk downtown to the movie theater to check out the new Guardians of the Galaxy film. I'll save my review for another time uh, since mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. new movie. Um, but it was a nice uh, excuse to get out of the house and enjoy some sunshine on my walk down there. So, and of course, I did go down to two different comic shops on Saturday to t- partake in free comic book day. And um, nice. we'll talk about some of the things I picked up 
uh, later in the show. Uh, one book I read that I have to talk about, I feel legally mandated and obligated <laughs> to talk about it, is <laughs> Batman number 135. Or if yes. you're keeping track with legacy numbering, this is Batman number 900, the 900th issue of wow. Batman's solo title. Um, and you know me, I'm a sucker for Batman. I'm a sucker for oversized anniversary issues. So this is right up my alley. Uh, this is also the conclusion of the current Batman story arc written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, artists here are Mike Hawthorne and Jorge Jimenez and Michael Janin does a couple fill-in pages. That's a pretty all-star Ooh. team right there for a book. Um, inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by Tomo More and Romalo Farjado, and letters by Clayton Coles. That's the name I recognize. Yeah. He letters basically yeah. everything. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was really good. I have to say, and uh, I I know Danny's listening or watching, and I preface this with an apology to Danny. I've not really been digging Zdarsky's Batman. Like it's not it's not bad, and I, I I'm like I'm enjoying it for what it is, but it's not clicking for me the way that you know I kind of wanted it to or expected it to. Mm-hmm. I feel like Zdarsky's been doing a lot of stuff with the previous story arc with Failsafe and this story arc, the the Batman of Gotham where he's trying to play with the ideas that Morrison introduced in their Batman run, which obviously I've talked at length about uh, on this show and on the Patreon show. Um, but it's almost like Zdarsky like, explains it too much. Like it's too matter of fact, whereas Morrison is, you know, there's a lot of metaphor, a lot of like references to previous Batman stories. Like it's almost like Zdarsky's playing it too safe with the stuff. Uh, this current story, uh, the Batman of Gotham involves Bruce Wayne after the events of the previous story arc, it gets teleported to an alternate reality where Batman doesn't exist. And what I like about that is it, it's like a silver age concept where he shows up on a different uh, reality and like all of his, you know, co-stars and villains are there. But what's kind of nice is like Zdarsky does this twist where it's like the world without Batman is actually darker than the are like Batman's actual world, like the actual DC universe. And the idea is like always like Batman creates the villains, like he makes Gotham violence. So that's why crime rises. And like Zdarsky is basically saying like, that's not the case. Like there would be monsters regardless if Batman didn't exist. The problem is there'd be right. no one to keep those monsters in check. And it's actually kind of a nice take on Batman as a character and a concept. Mm. The overall story here is that uh, one of the main villains in this version of Gotham, the red mask uh, is Amassing multiversal energy, and don't ask me to explain this. is This is the wacky DC continuity <laughs> stuff that I sure. don't have the time to sure. unpack. Uh, I, I mean, ma- you know, Paul, do whatever you need to do because Danny left. Danny's gone. He's, <laughs> he's gone. He said, "I gotta All go." Right. He left the chat. Like he gave Sorry, me the middle finger. He's leaving the podcast. It's it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, Danny. Um, no, this character is amassing multiversal energy because they want to open up a portal to uh, the multiverse uh, to basically they want to meet the Joker. Like their mission is like I that they want to become the Joker of this reality. Uh, so they're going to basically try to Jokerify themselves by meeting the man himself. Uh, and okay. I guess slight spoiler uh, for this issue. Like what I actually liked is there is a twist where he's able to do that. But in doing so, he actually creates the joker it's kind of a cool twist on the killing joke there's a page that's a basically a okay straight up homage to the killing joke where that happens uh and it's more complex than that uh so the conclusion and what kind of makes this work as an anniversary oversized issue issue 900 is that the red mask and opening the multiverse is traversing through different versions of batman batman has to track him down so batman gets to run into the Adam West batman he runs into the dark knight returns batman he's in the animated universe he runs into the tim burton Batman from the 89 movie and the artists do a great job mimicking those styles. So they're able to kind of like 
recall those and kind of make it look like those different artists drew those stories. And that's where it becomes like a celebration of Batman as a character. And that's what I want from an anniversary issue. Even though like the story is like the conclusion to the story arc, Zadarsky is able to fit in the stuff you want from an oversized anniversary comic. And I really love the fact that the Adam West version of the character is kind of the key because he gives Bruce his utility belt. And that's what kind of thanks to the, <laughs> the, the mumbo jumbo comic book explanation draws him back to his rightful like universe. Um, Gotcha. There's a great moment where Adam West basically says, Batman needs a utility belt to fight darkness, friend. And he hands it over. And of course, there's a straight up <laughs> reference to the bat shark repellent from the movie. So that's the stuff I want. That's that's the stuff yeah. I like. That worked for me. I do think, yeah. like I said earlier, I think Zdarsky's run has kind of been a mixed bag for me so far. This feels like the most kind of love letter to the Morrisonian Batman run, Batman take. Uh, where Morrison introduces kind of like more multiversal elements to DC. Mm-hmm. And the final page is like this big multiverse of different Batman. And that feels very Morrisonian to me. Uh, so yeah, Batman number 135 or 900, if you're keeping score, um, it actually worked for me as a nice sort of conclusion to the story. And I am generally excited to see where D- Zdarsky goes next. So there you go. Gotcha. So this isn't like the end of Zdarsky's run. He I just happened so. to write the 900th issue then. I think so. And like the, the, I think the major issue I had with this current story arc is like, it felt like he's being dragged out. Like not much was happening. And I realized he, they were dragging it out so it could end with issue yeah. 900. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When yeah, you can yeah. see the parts like that, it kind of takes me out of the story, but just so do well. a oh, fill in well. issue. Just do like a one off right? and just yeah. be like, we're putting the story on pause. I feel like that was more commonplace like a decade ago in comics sure. where there'd be like, yeah. we got to get to this issue marker, but we're just going to throw off this this in the middle of this arc right now. We're going to do this like one off thing. But, yeah. you know, we'll we'll make sure that it gets to the heads of D.C. and they'll definitely take <laughs> that as into consideration. Well, Jim Lee, I've got a suggestion for you. <laughs> yes. Mr. Lee, please. Um, get a Christmas well, special for, for in me. the beginning of May. Yeah, yeah, just, just while. Anyways, anyways. Um, for for me, really quick, I you know, as I said, I'm kind of pooped. I've been I've been all over the place today. Um, and uh, it's been an interesting ride. I like I have blisters on my feet. I took my socks off earlier, and uh, blisters on my feet. Wore tor- terrible shoes when you're. I ran. I walked a 5K. Let's be honest. I did not run the 5K. I walked a 5K, but I got sub one hour in the 5K. So you nice. know what? I feel pretty proud of myself for that. Um, my feet are killing me. Um, I've taken like three showers today because the, the heat in New Jersey is not high, but it is enough that I feel gross. So um, I've been all over the place, but I did manage to read some comics. Um, last week, my pick of the week was or my top of my pile was Peacemaker Tries Hard. Number one This is by Kyle Stark, Steve Pugh. Um, if you didn't get a chance to read it, I'm going to say this spoiler free review. Ultimately, it's really fun if you like the Peacemaker show. If you like James Gunn doing gross James Gunn stupidity, you're going to love this comic. If you found that to be crude, this comic is not going to work for you. You're going to find it to be crude. You're going to find it to kind of be over the top. I mean, there's dick jokes and shithead jokes and just everything that kind of made, in my opinion, like the Peacemaker show, like way, way, way tongue in cheek in Mm -hmm. comic form. And I think Kyle Starks is able to nail that tone um, and add his own little flavor of things, right? Because it's Peacemaker trying to save a dog. Like that's the whole premise of the book. So it's fun. But again, it's very crude. It's like this is like a this is like a rated immature for for people like there's f words and dick words and all sorts of other stuff (laughs) i I will say (laughs) the funniest part of this is that they you know one of my favorite bits in um greg pox incredible hercules that he did way back in the day is that there was a moment where hercules is fighting thor and some of the 
the the word onomatopoeias that we see on the page are some of the funniest things like mm. socket to you was like one of the mm. onomatopoeias one of the onomatopoeias in this issue is just fuck you <laughs> <laughs> It's that's great. So <laughs> stupid. So, anyways, if you if you like that show, you'll like this comic. Otherwise, okay. I would not recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Fair enough. I really like Kyle Stark, so I was curious. Even though I was not a fan of the yeah. show, I like Kyle Stark's okay. comics enough. So yeah, I, I have to give it a shot. You might you might like it. I mean, right. for those of you who are watching on twitch.tv, because this is live <laughs> on Twitch, as I said, I have the issue right here. Um, okay. it's a beautiful issue. Steve Pugh does a great job oh, yeah. of making Peacemaker in the book look like uh john cena right like okay. there are some panels that i'm just going to show here uh where he looks exactly like like john cena i mean maybe oh not gosh, exactly yeah. but the mm-hmm. likeness is there like you can tell it's the same guy yeah. um and it's nice. it's pretty fun but again they're kind of rehashing some stuff from the previous or from the tv show in terms of like theme and just like we got to talk about his dad being a shithead and all this stuff mm-hmm. but um i found it to be funny ultimately okay I'll keep reading it, but I did grab the first issue just because it's nice. It's a nice hard stock card book, but enough about that. Let's talk about some (laughs) stuff that's going to make no sense to anybody but me. (laughs) X-Men Before the Fall, Sons of X number one. I just need to touch on this really quickly. Um, This is written by Simon Spurrier, art by Phil Noto for like a one shot. We got Noto, guys. Um, Letter by Clayton Coles. Um, All I can really say is that if I tried to even describe what went on in this book, it would be a slurry of words only made decipherable by monks in a hidden sect deep down in the Alps um, in Europe. Um, Honestly, there's so much that happens in this one like 46 page issue. It's a one shot. Um, It's a it falls out of or it comes from the fall of or the end of Sins of Sinister, which if you've been following along at home on this show, or you maybe you've been at a comic book shop, you've maybe seen these Sins of Sinister thing. It's this like really short three-month event that uh, Marvel did with the X-Men. Kieran Gillen, Al Ewing, Cy Spurrier kind of said, what if the X-Men and then plus 10 years, plus 100 years, plus 1,000 years in this weird thing. Have you guys heard of a Moria engine? Do you know what that is? Um, do you know what, like, how does the deck of cards come into play in the X-Men, but it's not like the Hellfire Club? Um, do you know what, what happened to Banshee? Do you know what the spirit of variance is? How about Rasputin number four? How about David Haller? What even happened to him? Um, <laughs> This is just the tip of the iceberg is what's going on in this. And all of that stuff is summed up in this one issue. This issue took place before Immortal X-Men, which a number 11, which I also read. And I'm shaking in my boots for like the second shoe to drop with this Mother Righteous character. Again, people at home know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, Caden, but just (laughs) just just go with me here. I don't know. There's so much fallout from this book. I like need to test the issue with a Giger counter because like (laughs) it's nonstop radioactive. Come on. I I came up with that right before we started recording. Um, yeah, it's a wild book, and there's two more one-shots coming out like this that are the beginning of the the fall of the X-Men, right? We've had this Hickman era of Krakoa. Um, supposedly, it's coming to an end, but it's so strange because everything that this issue said to me and what Immortal, X, Immortal X-Men number 11 said to me is that it's not over. It's just that things are shifting, but rather than a gradual shift, it seems like we're going to take like a hard 95 degree angle turn going 150 miles an hour down the highway. So I'm really excited and I don't know. There's so much. I just like I, I mentioned this to a guy at the comic book shop on Saturday and I said, did you read Fall of X-Men? And he said, God, Mike, if it wasn't so busy, I would have to go for a walk with you. There's so much to talk about. And I was like, I will see you in two weeks, my friend. Nice. Um, so, yeah, 
a lot of crazy stuff. All I'm saying is I think this is going to be a candidate for the next Mike's X-Men blind box series that we do on Patreon. I'm just going to drop you guys in the middle of the end of an event. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> Perfect. So was this was this just published then? This just came out this past week, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, I had to read it immediately because I just got caught up on the Sins of Sinister stuff. And that wrapped up thousand years into this this alternate future i mean galactus was also like a ghost rider right like that was a point in the story <laughs> huh. it's crazy mm-hmm. it's super cool again it's right. it's it's playing with this what if thing but it became part of it there's there's so much to talk about but we, we don't have to talk about x-men all night instead kate tell us about the other book <laughs> okay. that you read for today's episode <laughs> lest my head explode yeah. <laughs> like david haller's mind in uh, outside of Krakoa. So go ahead. <laughs> so I picked up uh, a book called Grand Theft Horse from the library. And this this was written by Gene Neary, um, who had a couple of different writing credits. Like they're not a small name, um, but I had never heard of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, the art is by Corbin Wilkin. And then the story is about Gail Rufu. But like she wasn't credited on, on the cover, which felt kind of weird. But like this is her story. Um, I picked this up because I'm doing another reading challenge on Goodreads called Around the Year in 52 Books. (laughs) Wow. Hey, you better you better finish our reading challenge before you finish that reading challenge. That's all I'm saying. Um, I I've been selecting a different um, reading challenge for the last couple of years to like try to figure out what it is that I'm reading next in terms of like mostly prose books, like just regular novels, because I have such a large to read list and I read books mostly while I'm working and I just need to like quickly pick a book and ha- and having the prompts helps me helps me with that. I like pick an audio book, listen to it while I'm working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I needed a, a Western for this year. Like one of these prompts was a Western. And so I was at the library yeah. and I was like, Oh my gosh, I really don't want to listen to a Western while I'm working. Like that's not going to be inspiring. This is not a genre that I've really ever gotten into. So I found this comic book, Grand Theft Horse. And I was like, this is about nice. horses. So it's a Western, right? <laughs> not historical or anything, not about cowboys, but it's a Western. Hold on. A horse. I don't know if has horse means that it's a Western. It's going to be for my reading challenge. Okay. Okay. What is this book? What is this book? Okay. So uh, this is about, this is a nonfiction story, memoir about the only case of the crime of Grand Theft Horse since the 1800s. So this follows um, Gail Ruffu, who is a horse whisperer style horse trainer. I think in the 70s and 80s, she co-buys a horse called Urgent Envoy with a small group of people, like four or five guys. Um, And so she owns like 20% of this horse. And, and she ends up like this kind of backfires on her because she's training this horse, but these guys want her to, to run the horse so that they make money off of their investment, like way too early. Like, I don't know a lot about horses or about horse racing, but I know that it takes at least a year to train a horse to race. And like, they were like four months in and they were like, race this horse. Sounds right. Um, and of course, the horse gets injured, and Gail um, knows that if the horse is injured and they force it to race, which they want to do, it's going to get more injured. They're going to have to put it out of its misery because that's what happens mm. when a horse is too d- damaged to race. Because, yeah. Anyway, um, so she takes this horse in the middle of the night on Christmas. <laughs> 
hell yeah, dude. Um, and the rest of the story, like that happens immediately. Those are the first couple of pages of this book. And okay. the rest of the story is about Gail hiding this horse in like Northern California from the other owners and like defending her right to have this horse in her possession because she's part owner. She like has to defend herself to the owners, to the courts, to like this like racing circuit um, committee of people. And she's trying to work as a horse trainer and like, they're trying to, to get her like not to be able to work. And then like, she's dealing with all these theft allegations. And I, sure. I want to say that I wasn't originally going to talk about this on the show because like the first like third of the book, I was like, it was kind of boring. Like all of this action happened. She steals a horse in the middle of the night on Christmas. And I'm like, this is, I don't know what this book is going to be about. This sounds like a, like a legal drama or something after a certain point. Sure. And I'm not saying that, that, that it's not that there's a lot of like, I went to court and this happened. Um, sure. But man, like Gail's story really won me over like she never gives in there there's points where they like try to get her like deals like you can work as long as this horse races or or like whatever like she tries to do things the right way but mm -hmm. they're i mean these are the antagonists of the book that that she's working mm -hmm. <laughs> that are uh uh trying to get her in trouble and everything so um so uh I just really enjoyed this book. And it turns out that I, I Googled her name. Like, I just wanted to see what this woman looked like and like and compare the art and everything. Um, and she was actually interviewed about this, like her story and her her book on NPR. So there's like a nine minute interview available on their website. Oh, nice. So nice. that's Grand Theft Horse. And I didn't even mention that they used they used one color art that wasn't black. So like imagine a black and white wow. book, but the ink is like brown. And I don't know. It was mm -hmm. just a really it was a really cool decision. Like as a, as a book designer myself, like it's really neat when people are like, yeah, we're going to make a, we're just going to make this like a little bit of extra effort to make this book a little bit like more thematic. And sure. it really worked. Hmm. So, so this sounds less like a Western and more like the ultimate horse girl story. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, you know, either either way, I, I was looking at the cover for this. It looks pretty. looks like a pretty little yeah. book. So, you know, I'm glad you. Oh, so do you, did you check the box for this on your reading challenge then, Kate? I'm yes. guessing that uh, okay. it takes place <laughs> in in California and there are horses. So therefore, it's a Western. Okay. <laughs> it's Makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> There's a horse. I feel like you're missing a third bit here, but, you know, that's fine. Paul, <laughs> what else did you read? Uh, well, um, I read... Uh, and I've been so excited to talk about this book on the show. I read Pee Pee Poo Poo <laughs> Comics, number 420 by Carolyn Cash. My shop finally got the copy for me. I've been waiting for it for, it was supposed to, it was supposed to come out, you know, the week of uh, April 20th, obviously, to tie into 420. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So I know you're thinking at home, uh, what about the other 419 issues of Pee Pee Poo Poo? Uh, <laughs> right. This is just a one shot. It's, just, it's basically Oh, one shot. okay. Uh, it's yeah. a nice big magazine size comic. Uh, it's built as a one person anthology series because Carolyn Cash basically does a series of very short, you know, one to three, four page little strips in here, just about mm. living in Chicago and what they go about their day to day life and stuff. Uh, obviously, the cover for those looking, um, you know, live on camera, it's clearly an homage to Daniel Klaus. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of like the eight ball, like ghost world kind of like art style. And Carolyn Cash, uh, their style is not quite like that. They kind of alternate between a more cartoony style to more realistic. Uh, but it does remind me of Daniel Klaus's work because if you read like 
a lot of the early eight ball comics that Klaus did, there's like point of view comics where just him walking around Chicago, just reacting to people. Like it's very misanthropic and like, you know, bitter cartoonist like hating their life and there's a lot of Everyone's like that just was... trying to emulate harvey picar right that's yeah, that's what exactly i've learned that. from our yeah. american splendor episode <laughs> sorry folks we talked about american splendor on ircb movie club and it's all that i can think about 24 7 now thanks paul <laughs> sorry sorry um i mean that's kind of like what this is like i think carolyn cash yeah. is doing an homage to you know those types of like 80s or early 90s alternative comics uh but it's come from their unique perspective like right on the cover it says recommended for girls and gays so it's from coming from a very different perspective than daniel klaus um and what i really like about it is like it it is that sort of harvey picard thing where a lot of the stories are just very like like banal like it's like carolyn cash like being bored and wanting to smoke weed like that's the strip and like something about the way that they're able to capture that moment though is really interesting that they have a great sense of comedic timing and just capturing that sort of like you know when you're in your 20s early 30s that sort of driftless sort of like you're not sure what to do with yourself like it's it's very like true to life slice of life kind of comics which i like but also very funny the one story that really stood out to me though is a story where like carolyn cash is talking about doing their own taxes for the first time and it's mm-hmm. kind of draw themselves as like a little kid trying to figure out how to do taxes because it's like so overwhelming <laughs> to do your own taxes. And it sure. ends up them having to go to the IRF, IRS like office and basically fight a bunch of IRS agents that look like executioners. Got executioner masks <laughs> on, they got big axes and she has to fight them off. And like, that's how she does the taxes. Like it's, it's very funny. Um, that's great. So I think uh, Carolyn Cash has a few other issues. I think there was an issue 69 of Pee Pee Poo Poo that I got to pick up. Uh, mm. But I'm glad I finally got my copy. It's it's really fun. It feels unique. And I think, you know, Cash is someone, an artist that doing something unique has a very distinct voice that's, you know, different from the mainstream out of the mainstream. So I'm glad to finally get my copy of Pee Pee Poo Poo Comics number 420. I'm going to repeat the title again because I like saying it. That is Pee Pee Poo Poo Comics number 420. <laughs> it's Pee Pee Poo Poo Comics. Yeah. Um, that's the only way that I can say it is I have to like, I have to go tenor voice on it. Beep, beep, sure. boop, boop. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I'll talk about one more book before we move on to the top of our pile of, uh, I read star signs. Number one, this is by Saladin Ahmed, uh, pencils and inks by Megan mm-hmm. Levins colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick letters by Sean Lee. Um, my overall review of this is this was really cool. Um, and I don't know how else to describe it. Cause it's like, it's a superhero book. But it's okay. solid in a med doing a superhero book. So it's it's not it doesn't feel like Radiant Black. That's like the <laughs> it's like the only way I can describe <laughs> it. And don't get me wrong. The Kyle Hagen stuff is is good. I read the first chunk of that, like the the massive versus a thing. But I think like the, the quick synopsis of this book being like after a strange incident where the stars for all astrological signs in Earth's sky suddenly disappear, some individuals find that they now have powers. Hmm. And it's kind of a fun idea, right? All these people get these astrological based powers. And I feel like there are there are Tumblr people out there whose ears are burning at the idea of this comic. But there's something about the buildup of in, in the characters that we meet in this issue that really clicked. Like we've got a researcher, we've got this average girl in the city, and then like whammo, like this book is is overwhelming go overwhelmingly going from slice of life to like with a weird hook to superhero comics but not in like the capes and cowls but in like a i don't know how to handle this 
clearly other people have gotten these powers and they have a better handle on this than I do, which is we're following this one main girl character. And I think that like Ahmed is onto something that could be long lived without like beating you over the head with superhero stuff. There's mm-hmm. a there's a very human side to the characters that we get in this book that to me feels slightly different than like your Invincibles or your Radiant Blacks, where Clearly, the super heroics come first, I think, in the storytelling. And I know, I know I'm going to get haters out here. Like, Danny is already <laughs> typing in the chat about Radiant Black. And if you think about that book, it's very much not about the super heroics to start. But, like, I feel like Kyle Higgins, he, like, built all of that up in order to, in order to justify all of the later big superhero shit that that book basically becomes. But anyways, I yeah. like this. I feel like it could rival Radiant Black. It's like a different flavor of superhero comic. Um, but I doubt that like a med is going to do something as big as um, as Radiant Black and stuff. And I, I don't mean to keep comparing it, but like it's bo- it's published by Image. Like they're both there. Like it's clearly there. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. I really got hooked on this first issue. And uh, Megan Levins's art is incredible. Like Kelly Fitzpatrick, if you've seen her work before, she's an incredible colorist. Like this is an all star team. Um, and I liked the different take on superheroes that this book brought up like there's definitely a spirituality to these heroes um versus just like we're superheroes with capes and cowls um which other superhero books tend to fall into so if you're looking for like a different superhero book this one i think nails it nice yeah um but yeah let's move on to the top of our pile let's talk about books that we are just excited to read whether they're new or old or something that we're just trying to get off of our shelf and so i'm going to kick things back to uk what is on the top of your pile yeah i i finally requested factory summers from the library i've i think i've had this on my to read list for like 3 years so this is not a okay. new book um this is by mm. guy delisle and it's a drawn in quarterly book which makes me think that maybe paul might have suggested this a while back um, I don't know. I can't remember. I have not read that. This is a. I, th- I think we talked about another book by this same creator at some point. Okay. But anyways, anyways. Okay. Um, yeah, it does sound. This guy's name. This guy's guy. Delisle. <laughs> guy. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his name does sound familiar. So you could be right. Mm-hmm. Um, this interior is uh, two color yellow and gray, which I think might also be true of Ducks by Kate Be- Beacon Beaton. Um, and I also have that to read on my to read shelf. So I've got like this like color theme going on here. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a memoir style story about a young man working in a factory over the summer, thus factory summers. And the description <laughs> makes it sound like like this kind of repetitive work almost results in like hallucinations or like the questioning of reality, some kind of like like middle space in, in reality. Um, and... It just kind of makes me think, oh, it's going to be nostalgic. Oh, there's there might be some magical realism, which are ingredients in stories that I love, such as A Ballad for Sophie uh, that I mentioned 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a theme going on here in my reading. Nice, nice. <laughs> also, yellows. <laughs> like, like um, A Ballad for Sophie had a lot of yellows. This has the yellow color scheme. Like, yeah something something spring maybe spring may you know yellows maybe 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 there's something there (laughs) (laughs) i know it's fine whenever i go to the library i see the books by delisle on the shelf and i never grab one so i don't think i've ever actually read anything by them so let me know what you think of this one so maybe i'll check this one out 
Yeah, I, I think at one point I bought a copy of Hostage, which is another mm. book that they did okay. for Nick. And I, I asked Nick multiple times, hey, did you did you get a chance to read that book? I thought you'd like it. He's like, I keep looking at it and thinking I don't have the emotional availability for this book because <laughs> <laughs> it's a I think it's a heavy book, right? Because yeah. I, I Delisle, I looked them up while you were talking, Kate. They did a big a book that was big for them in 2005 was called Pyongyang. And I think it's about life inside North Korea. Yeah. Uh, and they've done a lot mm-hmm. of books that are very like uh they did a book called jerusalem i think there are a lot of like politically oriented or are documenting some of the more edgier political things that are happening around the world um as a as a french creator which is really cool yeah. um but yeah yeah i've i've heard that name before and i couldn't place it and now it's that book that i'm i don't think nick has read unfortunately <laughs> okay well that just Darn. makes me more excited to read this that um, yeah. the same person wrote pyongyang because that's also on my to read list <laughs> yeah yeah there you that's go. been on mine for go. It's like for the last like 10 years yeah. easily. Sure. <laughs> um, cool. Well, Paul, what about you? What's on the top of your pile? Uh, well, somewhat fittingly, uh, the book on top of my pile is a book I picked up on a whim on free comic book day. I went down to one of the shops here in Grand Rapids and they had a bunch of like books that they're selling for discounted prices. Uh, and I flipped through and this one caught my eye. It is called The Sky is Blue with a Single Cloud. It is by Kinoku Tsurita. Uh, and this is a drawn and quarterly book that collects comics by Sarita, who is who was the first uh, female manga artist to write for the famed manga alternative manga magazine Garu. And this is all new to me. Like I don't, I was not familiar with this artist. I was not familiar with there being alternative manga magazines in the late sixties and seventies. Um, mm-hmm. But the cover caught my eye. I flipped through it. It looked really interesting and. I think these drawn in quarterly like manga collections are my gateway into manga. Like not to be all like, yeah, you know, uh, that guy, but like they're doing some like uh, the stuff they're republishing is like kind of like more my alley than maybe what I think manga is. And that's my that's my bias for assuming all manga is kind of the same. So I can admit that. Uh, but this looks really interesting. So uh, base, I flipped to the introduction to the book and um, Kuniko Tsurita started working for Garu, the alternative uh, manga manga magazine. That's a tough word combination to say. Uh, Back in 1965, when they were just 18 years old, um, and then their work really captured the sort of counterculture, like spirit of alternative manga and the counterculture uh, movement in Japan at the time with young college students and all that, uh, exploring issues of sexuality, issues of gender and things of that mm-hmm. nature, political aspects to all that. And then fortunately she passed away in 1985. So there's only a limited amount of work that John Quarterly was able to collect. And I think the collection kind of like balances the early work that they did with sort of their later work as it got more mature and dealt with their failing health, like in the comics. So it looks really interesting. And like I said, I just, the, the cover alone and the title seemed really evocative to me. And um, I'm really excited to check it out. I'm glad I just happened to flip through that, that box of like half off books and find this, this uh, collection, The Sky is Blue with a Single Cloud by Kanuku Tsurita. So that's top of my pile right now. Well, I, man, can I swap mine out? Because that's awesome. <laughs> um, <Right? laughs> first time ever on I Read Comic Books. Uh, no, uh, that no, that sounds really cool. I, I've never yeah. heard of that. I think I'll have to also have to check that out. Put that on my forever list here. There you go. But yeah, b- before I get into my what's on the top of my pile, we've got some folks hanging out with us. A lot of folks, which is awesome. Love to see you all here. Um, and they all sent in what their top of their pile picks were. Um, if you want to do that in the future, you're listening and watching this now and you want to do that in the future, you can always join our Discord where I ping everybody right before before we start recording all of our episodes to get what's going to be on their top of their pile so you can get a shout out on our show this week 
Tom is, and I say hi, Tom, because originally I just asked for shout outs and I forgot to ask for comic books. Uh, but Tom is reading uh, Kaya Volume 1. Stephanie is reading IRL by Cory Doctorow and Jen Wang. Danny is reading Spirit World Number 1 from DC Comics. Paul G is reading Burn With Me. CK is reading A Guardian Volumes 1 and 2. I'm I also got the the volume mm. two for this series from Kickstarter. I'm very excited to sit down and read these. So CK, I'm glad you're also reading those books um, to, you know, like minds. Uh, Matt's reading Invincible Iron Man number six. And Nick is reading Joyama volume two. And I didn't realize that Joyama volume two was coming out this week. So I pre-ordered a copy <laughs> from my local shop. So very excited. But the book that I want to talk about today that's on the top of my pile, it's a new book that's coming out. Something epic number one by I'm going to. So try this just simon kredansky it's what i think their name is mm-hmm. this is coming out from image um those of you who maybe are looking at the credits on comic books and stuff may recognize kredansky's name from a terror a town called terror that was they did with steve niles a mm-hmm. kind of really weird surreal vampire alternate dark universe story that like i don't know was a bit a bit edgy like the movie the crow like it was it wasn't bad, but uh-huh. like nothing about me would say like, oh, yeah, I really want more of this book. Um, but anyways, uh, Kredansky's art is the thing that really drew me to this new book because they do really insane, realistic yet comic booky art that like, I don't know, choose they, they choose really interesting ways to portray concepts. That's like the only way I can describe it. And so with the synopsis of this book being imagination is real like in all caps i'm like hell yeah count me in right um image pitched this as outside our perception creative thought takes physical form with only a handful of individuals known as epics able to interact with this wondrous hidden world but for 14 year old danny dylan accepting these responsibilities himself won't be easy or safe lose yourself in a world of endless fantasy and creativity where superheroes monsters magical creatures and cartoon characters live and breathe alongside us which like I don't know if you can trust image solicits anymore because that sounds like everything (laughs) and every all things, you know, compressed into one comic book. That Uh being said, Kredansky, I'm very excited to see what they take from that. The preview that we have on the Internet through various publication sites show a pretty like I'm going to say bleak preview as to what this book should look like. So I'm curious to know how the story pivots. Um, It's about it seems to like talk about how. Things of miraculous nature only exist in our minds. But what if the person who's telling a story through this comic book is not telling a story from their mind, but documenting a real world that they live in? Hmm. Uh, I kind of like that. I'm excited to see where it goes. And yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot, at least the first issue. So I don't know. I, oh, I wrote this other bit in here. Sorry, I'm all bits this week. Um, Kredansky is an incredible illustrator in the previews for this, uh, for this book. Ask you to go into a world of pure imagination. And I'm willing to give it a shot. So Xander, put the song in. Put the Willy Wonka song in if you can. <laughs> anyway, nice. sorry. I, nice. I'm all out of out of sorts this week, guys. I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, my feet are killing me. But one other thing I wanted to do this week, Kate, mm-hmm. Paul, and I, um, we have stacks of comic books. And since we're on Twitch, I'm sorry, folks at home, but you aren't going to be able to see this. We're going to talk about it, but you aren't going to be able to see it. We're going to go through some of the stuff we picked up either from our libraries or from our local comic book shops as part of Free Comic Book Day. So I want to just get things started and kind of show off some of the manga that I grabbed because I didn't realize this, but I pre-ordered a bunch of manga and uh, it's all here. So this week, my manga pickups were Dan to Dan Volume 2, which is an adult manga, according to Shonen Jump. And I also picked up Volume 3. I don't know how to pitch this book. Like this kid 
in this book, he accidentally gets possessed by a demon. Um, he's an alien conspiracy theorist, and he gets possessed by a demon. He thinks demons are fake. And he teams up with a girl who believes in demons but thinks aliens are fake. Um, and so the book is a wild romp and maybe a little bit uh, too horny for its own good, which is why it can't get published <laughs> in the Shonen Jump app. Um, uh-huh. But it's fun. I, I will say it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's less horny than I think Viz thinks it is. Um, and the other book that I want to talk really quick about is just uh, One Punch Man Volume 25 because I can't stop reading this book. Um, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone unless you love manga, <laughs> um, but I love this book. It's the funniest manga that I own, and I know there's probably better ones. Like Sakamoto Days is supposed to be really, really funny, but I'm not there yet. I'm still on my One Punch Man gig, so um, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, what about you? What what's uh, what do you got that you want to show off real quick uh, to us? Well, very briefly, uh, when it comes to the actual free comic books, I've find like more and more often I just grab the all ages ones um, just to give to my friends that have kids that maybe couldn't make it to free comic book day like i like to be that cool like uncle who will give your my friend's kids like comics to read so i always grab like the all ages ones but the one that actually did catch my eye which i'll probably might read my for myself before i pass along is the the 2000 ad um free comic book day is the 2000 ad regen so it's all it's like all ages 2000 ad stories which is really cool but there's no judge dread unfortunately but they're kind of like every <laughs> once in a while 2000 ad will do a special issue where it's geared at young adults or all age readers and it's like you know that's kind of cool and it's a good way to get kids you know i guess it's smart marketing to get kids to buy your comics but it's mm-hmm, very funny mm-hmm. to me um to kind of see this stuff so i might have to flip through this before i pass it along to uh my friends but of course i got the uh, had to get the spidey and his amazing friends because kids love spider-man so i'll give that to nice. some friends so i find more and more like when i grab free comic books they just end up in a short box that i totally forget about so i figured the purpose of free comic book days for kids or new readers so like this is kind of what my approach so that's what i grabbed in terms of free comics this year Nice, nice, Kate. What about you? What would you grab? Free comics. What's some of the stuff. We'll, we'll go from in a library, circle. We'll go in a say? circle. Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got free comics Every from the day library. Is free comic book day. You go At to the library. library. Yes. Um, I did not make it out to free comic book day. Unfortunately, I kind of didn't notice it happening like between having D&D and I ran some errands and like the weather was super nice. I was thinking about my garden. Yeah. It's just like free comic book day happened in like a different dimension or something. Like I was aware of it, but it didn't even like cross my mind to go. I don't know. Yeah, so, sure. But, but I went to the library. So uh, here we are And I have a very large stack. So I will <laughs> try to be discerning. We'll, we'll go through a couple. We'll come back. We'll okay. come yeah. back. Cause I, I believe me, I've got more books I want to talk about here. Right. I'm just trying to keep it timely. So I want to start with, um, this is the dire days of Willow deep manor. This looks oh, like a, a it's all reflection. Yes, I know. Sorry. <laughs> this uh, this cover has a young woman holding uh, like a board about to hit a man, I think, in front mm, of a full okay. moon. Um, and <laughs> so um, the description sounds like, you know, you know, those manga, Mike, where um, um, like somebody wakes up in a different dimension and they're aware that they're not that it's not real. Yeah, and they know isekai, where they're at. Yeah. Manga. This kind of yeah. sounds like that. But like in like american ya like this this girl kind of steps off the path and suddenly she's in like this like gothic horror um place where she finds this manor and she has to survive and everything is spooky um this just i don't know like for being a a like gothic horror um 
like styled story um, description. Like this is like a like a middle grade or a YA book. So I'm expecting it to be a little goofy and cute. Like, oh, yeah, I bet that you can't see it. But there are like rabbits with glowing eyes at Mm. the bottom of the cover. Um, (laughs) And so I have to know what that's about. (laughs) Please. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to talk about uh, Shuriken and Pleats Volume 2. I read Volume 1 on a whim off, out of the library because I liked the title of, of this manga. And the first one was about, um, the first volume was about this this young woman who was trained to be like a bodyguard or like not really a ninja, but like similar like assassin style person. Um, okay. And uh, she loses her, her first master who is like the only person that she was ever really close to. And she has to pretty much just figure out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And like, she's got all these skills, but yet she's like 17 or something. Like she's very young still. Always, always. And this is a really short manga series. It's only two or three volumes. And like the first volume just kind of gripped me. Like I was like, oh, I've got to figure out like what what this young woman is going to do. It kind of reminded me um, of the show Violet Evergarden on Netflix, if you've seen that. Um Kind of similar, like very skilled, uh, dangerous young women finding purpose in life. <laughs> is this okay. Warrior Nun? Is that was not a show or something? <laughs> that could be similar too. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So cool. back to you, Mike. Uh, you got more yeah, manga? Sure. I, I, you know, I don't. I, that was my manga haul. Just okay. three volumes this time. Um, I'm like in a weird spot with my local shop. where like. I, I keep forgetting that I pre-order things, right? Like those two volumes of Dan to Dan, I already own because I bought them through Right Stuff Anime because I'm a dork and I was like, I need I need this right now um, versus just like pre-ordering it and waiting for my shop to get it. Um, so anyways, but I so I don't have that. Like I've been waiting for volumes of Ayashimon volumes two and three, but I don't think this comes out until later in this year. Anyways, tangent, tangent. I did get some free comic books, right? Nice. Um, nice. I did get... Uh, this is Galaxy, the prettiest star. Uh, Kelly thought this looked fun, so we grabbed that because we had a limit of three at my shop. So I only grabbed, uh, you know, a couple books. Um, so I grabbed this one. This looked really nice. Um, and then I wanted to have uh, a copy of the Fish Flies free comic book day because who knows? It may be worth money someday. Um, no, not really. I just I don't own a lot of Jeff Lemire stuff, and I figure like. I should have this because I read most of fish flies. I'm going to get the hardcover when it comes out eventually. And this Mm -hmm. is cool. Um, I don't know. I just, there's something about Jeff Lemire's like original art that like just clicks in my head after having read so much of it. Um, And then seeing his writing attached to, I don't know. It just works really well for me. Hmm. Uh, And then the last one I want to talk about really quick is, uh, is this viz like sampler that they put out, which has uh, Shaojin X and rooster fighter number one um because viz always puts together puts out like a two or three in one um issue and uh not really a big fan of the chaojin x but i did think rooster fighter was funnier than it deserved to be for such a stupid concept um the art is incredible it reminds me strangely enough of like one punch man where there's like a ton of detail for a book that's supposed to be a a joke book like it's definitely a gag manga um in that why is a rooster fighting anything and then i was like i read this book already it's called chew and it's amazing like (laughs) secret agent Poyo is like one of the coolest characters ever created in comic books as far as i'm concerned but someone made uh, a series called rooster fighter and it's about a rooster that fights giant like uh, kaiju like like this guy awesome. right here this big yeah. multi-armed um salary man <laughs> who's here to crunch the numbers and also he's gonna finally meet his quotas according to this page huh. so um you know it's 
kind of goofy, but this is actually fun. The Viz one shots, if you can get the Viz free comic book day issues, they're always winners. They usually pick at least one or two good stories. Um, and yeah, the the weird thing about the Shaojing X one is that it like they used part of chapter three as the pitch instead of the more action oriented chapter one, which I think is funny. And Rooster Fighter, they clearly used chapter one because like we meet who Rooster Fighter is and then he fights. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grabbed those because, uh, again, these are these are pretty good winners. And and for, unfortunately, I went to my shop kind of late. So like they didn't have a lot of the other stuff um, that I wanted. But I was going to get the TMNT one. Um, but I was like, I'll leave that for some kid. I don't actually care. Yeah. Um, because that's like the problem with free comic book day books, right? Is like most of the time I get them to be like, cool, I got a free comic book. And I'm like, I look over at my bookshelf of all the unread comics and I look at my pile yep. of, of single issues that I haven't read and I go, why did I even get this? What 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 <laughs> why did I get this this thick piece of marketing material when I could read the things that I actually care about? Yep. <laughs> I yep. don't know. I I, I agree. Yep. Uh, for me, like the big appeal of going to free comic book day is like shops have sales. So like my shop, my regular shop I go to in Grand Rapids was having 20% off basically everything in the store besides new books. So mm-hmm. I was digging through the back issue bins and at the store, they have a little short box right in the counter for all your, uh, underground comics, all the adult stuff. So if you're looking for some back issues of, uh, Jim Balance Tarot, <laughs> which of the black rose that's where those are going to be um, i don't know what that is but i don't know if i want don't to look it up is. do not okay, google it don't look it up uh, <laughs> cool. okay but that's also- be the name of the episode <laughs> title right there <laughs> um uh but it's also they have some like alternative press and they've got some underground comics like classic stuff um and sure. i happened to just flip through there and i found the three issues of volume two of raw magazine this is the magazine that was edited by art spiegelman Highly, highly influential for alternative comics. Um, and it's also where uh, Spiegelman first published the chapters of Mouse. So all of these have oh. this one chapter of Mouse in them. The original Raw magazine was published Whoa. in like giant magazine size. The second volume, they did three issues of this like digest size. I'm holding up for the camera. So I got sure, the three sure, sure. issues for like 10 bucks a pop. So I was like, I can't pass that up. Oh, yeah. Just look at the creators involved. The first one's got a story from Charles Burns. Linda Berry's got stories in here. There's they republished some old crazy cat comics from the, I don't know, 30s, whenever that stuff was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, we got uh, Richard Sala, Alan Moore, just like it's a clearinghouse of alternative comics. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in here. And it is kind of cool because you get the the mouse chapters published in the original size and format with some notes from Spiegelman from each one. Um, I was very excited to find these. I actually had a bunch of other stuff in my hands when I found these. I mm-hmm. kind of put this up bags like, well, I'll just get these. So this, that's so much yeah, comics yeah, yeah. to read. I mean, there's a pretty beefy collection. So yeah, they look like thick books. I'm kind of surprised yeah. if like that's crazy. Yeah, it's a, that's a that's a good find. Like that's a killer find. <laughs> yes. So that's that's right up my alley. I've always been kind of curious about Raw Magazine, but the original issues are very expensive. The fact I was able to get these for cheap on Free Comic Book Day during the sale. I, I won. That's why it always yeah. pays to dig through the back <laughs> issue bins. I'm telling you, that's right, why you go to right. the comic shop. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's fantastic. Kate, what about you? What, what are some other books you've got sitting on your pile? Yeah, so this is another one that I have had on my to-read list for years, and it's called How to Understand Israel in 60 Days or Less, um, and this is by oh. Sarah Glidden. Um, nice. I feel like oh i had to get this through like melcat um the michigan interlibrary loan system so i like i had to specifically seek this book out i couldn't just go to the library and like find it on the shelf it came from 
um, probably a university or something, um, which is great. Melcat is incredible. Um, a plus. If system. you live in Michigan. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other states have them too. So it would just be a different name. Right. Um, but right. the like the description of this book reminds me of another book I read called Algeria is Beautiful Like America. Um, and in mm. and in that one, um a, a a young a woman goes to Algeria to like kind of track down the history of her family, and then you learn a little bit about Algeria and like the difficulties that they've had as a nation, and you see their traditions, and like you meet some of the people that she 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 meets along the way. And so this book, How to Understand Israel in Sixty Days or Less, sounds really similar. Like I think that the woman goes as part of like a travel group, like a school group or something. Um, but I mean, it, it sounds it sounds very similar. Like, like, um, the description talks about like, um, you learn the history of like the area and like their traditions and like about their people and things like that. So this does seem like a very dense book. Like there's a lot of very small words and a lot of panels per page. Um, (laughs) yeah. So this is going to take me some time to read, (laughs) but I I am excited about it. Like I like these nonfiction books, these like travel memoirs that like, I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a middle class human being that only gets so many, so many PTA, PTO days off a year. I can't travel as much as I would like to travel. So um, yeah. these memoirs are are the next best thing. Yeah. 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 I've never read that one, but Sarah Glidden did another book called Rolling Blackouts, where it's her yes. and a group of journalists go to like Iran and Syria kind of to cover the refugee crisis after the invasion of Iraq. That book is fantastic. And I remember when I read that one, they, that like, they were saying like, Oh, from the author of, you know, the book you just mentioned, uh, you know, Israel in 60 days. So I will have to check that one out. I really, really like Sarah Glidden's work and it is, it's very dense, but it's very readable. You're not feeling overwhelmed. Like she has a great way of like constructing the story to really suck you in, even though you're like getting a huge information dump at the same time. Right. It's, it's really impressive mm. stuff. Yeah. I These are books that I tend to like read like 10 or 15 pages of, maybe more than that, but I'll read mm-hmm. them in multiple settings. Like they'll just kind of sit on my coffee table for a week and I'll read little bits at a time. And I normally yeah. I like binge a book, um, even a really long <laughs> book. Sometimes I'll, I'll binge it in one or two sittings. So yeah, these nonfiction memoirs are ones that like I, I know to take my time with and I feel like I retain yeah. the information and, 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 and enjoy them more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I was going to make a joke about maybe this will convince you to go to visit Israel. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> Travel, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, all right. I'm going to try to go through the last bit of books. So maybe we'll do like one more we yeah. go okay. through here. Yeah. Um, I do have two other books or three other books you saw. I had a uh, Peacemaker Tries Hard. Um, funny book if you're if you're into the peacemaker show would not recommend it otherwise <laughs> um i did grab the next issue of immortal sergeant which is a book mm. that i don't know if i like but i keep buying um if only because it's joe kelly and ken nimura who did i kill giants and i want it to have as much meaning as that book mm-hmm. um but it's kind of hard to read a book where like there's a guy who's like kind of like blatantly racist but like it's it's kind of laughed off i don't know um mm. The other book I grabbed is uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here? Uh, This is issue 12. Uh, Again, another book that I'm not sure that I love, but I keep buying. Um, Something something about this book scratches an itch that I can't even tell if the itch even exists. But I feel like I need to keep (laughs) buying this book for some reason. So. I feel like it's every other issue. Like I'll read one issue, like I don't think I need to keep reading this, and then I'll get the next issue, and like, oh, it's actually really good. It's like I, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a perfect explanation for it. It's so yeah. it's so back and forth. Yeah. Um, and like 
I love Tyler Boss. I think Matt Rosenberg mm-hmm. when he when he's right, he's right when he's right with his writing. Yeah. Um, it's just it's so weird with this book. So, um, anyways, th- those are yeah. the two single issues I got, and then I got the big boys. <laughs> These are the big boys that I got. I grabbed the final or second volume of Bloodstained Teeth. Um, I'm the only person that likes this book, uh, but this is Christian Ward on writing, uh, Patrick Reynolds on art, um, Mac Shader, I think, is on colors for this, and then uh, Heather Moore, I think, is also doing colors, and uh, Hassan, our good buddy Hassan Asmani Elhau on letters. I love this book to death. This book is, I don't know, there's something funny about the way that Stewart writes vampires, but again, it's not for everybody. Go rent this from your library. Don't buy this. Um, <laughs> I think I read the first issue okay. and I was like, oh, this is a lot. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, it's I, you know, I just. Uh... Yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> um, and then I also grabbed because it was on the shelf. Again, this is why I, I said to my wife, I, Kelly, I can't go to the comic book shop because this is what happens every time I see a trade or I see an omnibus or something on the shelf. And my, my shop does a pretty good job of finding the books that I don't need to buy, but then I do. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them is this creepy collection that Dark Horse put out. It's published last week um, and it contains the first five issues of Creepy. And I have no real like connection to the Creepy series, but I read that that Fanagraphics collection of old uh, EC Comics books, uh, Fall Guy for Murder, and I'm like, mm-hmm. some of these old books kind of slap. And then it turns out you <laughs> open this, this Creepy book, and it's full of some of the most beautiful comic art you've ever seen, and you're like, people were publishing this and then throwing it away? This is disposable mm-hmm. media? This is insane. Um, anyways, I paged through this. It looks like it's a lot of fun. And then the last thing, you got to know that I had to get it because it came out. Uh, The hardcover collection of the first, I think, 17 issues of Department of Truth came out, right? Wow. This big, huge, honking mother of comic books. Um, If there's one thing in this world that is consistent about me, it's that I love Department of Truth because something about the way that Tinian is putting this book together I can't help but be addicted to it. And this is a beautiful hardcover. I talked to the guys at the shop about this for like 10 minutes and they were like, I don't even like this book. And I bought it and I was like, yeah, Martin (laughs) Simmons art is, is that good. Uh, And I think Elsa Chartier did an issue. A couple other people did issues in this 17 (laughs) issue run, but man, oh man, this book, I fucking love this book. Um, That's all I'll say. So anyways, (laughs) take me out, get me out of here. Uh, so I've noticed that more and more when I go to the comic shop, especially if they're my comic shop is doing a sale, I'll go right to the back issue, back issue bins, of course. And like, I'm trying to be mindful of like, I don't have, I only have so much space. I only have so much money. I want to buy comics that I can't either get digitally or like, you know, can't get in collections. So I usually just end up picking up these like one shots that came out, you know, in the eighties or nineties and like, you know, the couple, a little bit more uh, expensive, you know, they're like five to 10 bucks per shot. So like the sale kind of helps. So the one that caught my eye on Saturday I was at the shop is called Batman the Abduction. Uh, this is from 1998. It's written by Alan Grant. It's got art by Norm Brayfogle. There's an all-star Batman team if there is, ever is one. And it's about Batman being abducted by aliens. How do I, I not cover I have like to a... buy this. It's... <laughs> Yes. So I'm seeing like like the like gray alien, like just the faces mm-hmm. with the giant eyes. And then I think it's Batman in front of this head, yeah. like lo- giant head. I love this cover. I thought when you first showed that cover <laughs> on the screen, I thought it was Batman hatching out of an egg. So like that makes <laughs> no. the, the alien makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just flipping through it. I love Norm Brayfogle's artwork. He's like top tier Batman artist for me. 
So it, it looks very good. It's, it is very 90s. Some computerized coloring going on. Uh, there's sure. one point where Batman's fighting a guy who looks like Bruce Lee. That looks fun. <laughs> there are some aliens at some point. I, it just looked too weird not to buy. And it's, again, one of those oh, things totally. I probably wouldn't have found out either digitally or would not have like known it even existed if I hadn't been flip, flipping through the back issue bins. So nice. um, very briefly, I'll read you the, the copy on the back. It says, Please. a blinding light, a missing hour, and later a terrible feeling of dread. There's only one explanation. Batman has been abducted by aliens. And that's only <laughs> the beginning. That's a comic made for me right there. Hell yes. Well done. For the folks at home, what's the name of that book one more time? It's called Batman the Abduction. Amazing. Oh man, I need like X-Files is playing in my head right now. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, Kate, what's the last books, some of the books that you've got on your pile, I guess here? All right. So I've got um, two volumes of a series called My Brother's Husband. And I think that this is the entire series. I think that there was only like four volumes that have been now collected in these two big volumes. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression from from the title of of this manga that it was going to be a nice wholesome happy uh, manga with the gay couple in it maybe raising a little girl together or something i requested this uh entirely based on the title um and Mm -hmm. i have been reading the descriptions uh and looking a little bit more closely at this cover and i think it's gonna be sad because (laughs) (laughs) it's it talks about um so there's a dad raising his young daughter and then somebody knocks on the door and it turns out that it's the husband of um this dad's uh estranged now dead twin brother so this is like the girl's uncle who shows up basically um and the description on goodreads says like this kind of takes a look at like the the still closeted japanese gay culture and how it's been affected by the west um and so i thought that i was in for a nice sweet wholesome story and i think i'm gonna end up crying instead so (laughs) this is a lot this is a lot of i think you've (laughs) i think you've picked up like a slice of life distillation and examination of like homophobia in japan (laughs) Oh boy! All right, so um, so yeah, yeah. I am excited about this. Though. Things. Yeah, yeah, I've heard very good things about this book, though. Like this is this is up there in in a lot of the recommendations for folks that are looking to get outside of like the shonen and even in 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 like shojo areas of manga. If you want to get something that's like more mature, that'll actually like get you to think about comics. I, I've heard that this is one of those books. It, so. it does have a lot of very good reviews on Goodreads, which is pretty rare. Yeah. Like a book has to be very exceptional for it to have a, a more than right. four star rating. And this is almost four and a half <laughs> with a lot of reviews. Yeah, wow. So that's uh, that's promising. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I think I think that's going to wrap us up here. Oh, okay. I'm going to do one thing because we're on Twitch. I'm just going to do this. And I'm sorry, again, for the folks at home, you should have been here on Twitch. <laughs> we're, we're doing these once a month or once every other month now. Um, I'm going to reveal tattoo that I got because I got Ooh. a really cool comic book based tattoo um, and it's sick and I love it to death. Um, so for those of you at home, you can see my really cool Vegeta tattoo that I got. Let me move my microphone here. Wow. <laughs> and you know i know i know silence is great radio um but it's majin vegeta on my shoulder uh and he's looking over his arm very angrily because uh, of course he is uh if you've ever seen the lucifer has fallen or lucifer spurned painting you'll know what this is uh i basically asked the artist to say like hey i love majin vegeta this painting is beautiful can you combine them and he 
freaking nailed it. So I'm awesome. um, very excited about it. And it's finally healed and it's it looks really nice. I'm very happy about it. But um, yeah, I think with that, we will wrap up the show here. Um, I think we're going to try to do a little bit of something after the credits just to hang out for a bit because Kate, I have a question about okay. good Goodreads reviews. <laughs> okay. But to wrap up the show here, um, next week's topic is going to be me and Paul and Tia. We're going to be talking to Amy Wright about modern day comic book censorship. So little less shit posting a little more actual comic book <laughs> conversation for a change um it's gonna be really fun amy's really smart um she's on the american library association board for this if i'm not mistaken um she will probably correct me next week but um as always you can follow us on instagram twitter tiktok discord we've got our goodreads plus our reading challenge and we're on youtube so make sure to check us out there you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast to get access to the ircb movie club where we're talking about american splendor uh, better batmobile season two which is airing mike's x-men blind box which came out last month so much stuff on there incredible amounts of content um Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is that guy. I want to say thank you to Kate and Paul for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone watching live on Twitch. You are fantastic human beings. If you got this far in the show, we love you, love you, love you. Thank you so much. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.